You are welcome to a great moment in destiny. God is about to speak directly to you and the message coming right up is crafted by heaven not just to challenge you but to align your destiny. As you embrace divine instruction, expect that God's word is bringing about revival, healing, restoration and transformation to your entire life. With faith in your heart and great expectation, join me and receive God's word through his choice vessel. Father, we give you praise. Thank you, thank you, and thank you again. Thank you for your awesomeness in this meeting today. We bless your holy name. From our heart, we say thank you. We bless you. We have gathered to you unto no flesh. Lord, we thank you for you are good and your mercies they endure forever. Thank you for abundant mercy here today. In Jesus' mighty name. Say amen. amen. Hallelujah. It's such an honor, great honor, to be ministering in this awesome conference this evening. I want to specially, specially thank God and appreciate God for Apostle Goodhearts and his lovely wife for the honor. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you so much, ma. Apostle Goodhart is somebody I've loved and been following for a very long time. Such a great, awesome example in this city. And yes, yes. You know, myself and my friend is a colonel in the army. He's called Colonel Moyo we always talk about people who are Christians. You know, you can be born again, but you may not be a Christian. You know what that means? It means that Christos is not formed in you. You will go to heaven, but you are not a Christian. Because what it means, that's what Paul was describing in um, Galatians chapter 4 and verse 19. My little children whom I travel again, they were born again, Thank you. Whom I travel again in birth until Christus is formed. Meaning it's possible to be born again, live and die without the life of the Christus made manifest in a man's life. The life of the anointed one and his anointing. That life that, you know, in the story of Saul and David, David, when Saul died, took up a lamentation. And one of the things that Saul, I mean, David said concerning Saul and Jonathan, he says, see how they died as if they were not anointed of the Lord. Meaning, there's a way they're anointed, don't die. There's, a, there's, there's the things that don't happen to the anointed. It is called the life of the Christos. That's what Paul was describing, when the Bible was describing, talking about Paul, my little children whom I travel again in birth until... Christ is formed. Until Christos is formed. I know we sing a song that, that that song is only true believers shall be raptured. I don't believe so. There are a lot of people who are born again that you don't see as true believers. Why you don't see them as true believers is that Christos is not formed. But sincerely speaking, I've seen Apostle Goodhart a Christian. No, I've followed him for a long time and I know what I'm saying. It's been a tremendous example and a blessing and somebody who has inspired us in this city and it's with great honor that I stand here to say thank you, sir, for this great honor and privilege to be ministering. Help me celebrate Apostle Goodheart and his lovely wife. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you so much, sir. Hallelujah. But I know God will touch you in this meeting and you will know he touched you. You won't try to explain that he touched you. You will know he touched you. It's like when you are beaten by rain. You don't have to guess whether rain fell on you. Praise God. So, this evening, I just run because of my time. I want to say a, um, um, something that the Spirit of God put in my heart this evening. Um, I've been taking a series somewhere. Um, I, I, I titled The Laws of the Universe. In um, Job 38 and verse 33. Um, the King James says, Knowest thou the ordinances of the heavens? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? 
But if you have the New Living Translation, the New Living Translation says, do you know, thank you, do you know the laws of the universe? Can you use them to regulate the earth? Do you know the laws of the universe? Can you use them to regulate the earth? Meaning the earth came in its raw crude form, but laws were set in place that if you harness and put together, you, you get a predictable outcome. Our universe is governed by laws. Natural laws, spiritual laws, physical laws. But what he was asking Job, you know, Job had been boasting himself and said, I wish that God can just appear to me. I wish I could just speak to him and ask him questions face to face. Let him answer me what my problem is, that this whole thing is happening to me. And God showed up and God began to ask Job, do you know, one of the things he asked him is this passage of scripture, do you know the laws of the universe? Can you use them to regulate the earth? And if you continue, he was telling him a lot of things you could do with the laws of the universe. If you're not careful about studying this scripture, you think that God was asking Job something that is exclusive of God alone. No, no, no. What God was pointing to Job is that you did not understand how to harness the laws of the universe to get out of your ordeal. Your ordeal was not caused by God. It was not. You've been blaming God, but all you'd have needed to do was to pull the laws together and get out of the problem. Do you know the laws of the universe? Can you use them to regulate the earth? Our universe is governed by laws. Spiritual laws. And it's important that we know this as believers because there's an attitude we have as Christians. We believe that what will be, will be. We believe that before the end of this year, by God's grace, I'm going to be rich. Before the end of this year, by God's grace, this is going to happen to me. They don't happen by that, by just thinking they will happen. They happen because certain laws are put together. Spiritual laws or physical law are put together and a predictable outcome is assured. Gravity is constant. So because of that, I can predict that if I jump, I'm going to come down. Gravity is constant. That's why in engineering design, you have constant fixed laws that we can assume will always be fixed. So we put them as a constant factor in designs. And we know that in 20 years, they will still be like that. They will not change. It is these laws that believers do not know to put together that has caused them a lot of issue. You know, let's use the law of, of electricity for instance. Until man discovered the laws of electricity and put them together to enjoy light, man lived without light. Do you know that the, the period of time that man have lived with electricity is less than the period of time that man lived without electricity? But the laws of electricity was on earth. And until man found the laws of electricity and put them together, man lived without it. And listen, it, laws have no emotion. They have no respect for emotion. Whether you cry, you weep, whether you feel, it does not have respect for emotion. You understand the laws, you put them together, a predictable outcome is assured. A predictable outcome is assured. So he asked, do you know the laws of the universe? Can you use them to regulate the earth? You can use them to regulate the earth. You, once you understand the laws, whether it's a physical law or natural, I mean, natural laws or spiritual law, once you understand them and begin to work with them, you begin to produce predictable outcome. It's not happen chance. That's what Paul meant when he said, I am not like one who bugs the air. I do not beat uncertainly. I do not fight like one who is just hoping that somewhere I will hit target. I hit with focus. I know what I am going to blow. Because you will predict the outcome once you understand the laws of the universe. So this law spans in different areas. I'm going to narrow down to some of them. But you see, I remember when we started church, when I... Um, um, I was an under pastor. My pastor started church and I were there. We planned a major crusade, a major city crusade during the rainy season and it was open air. We planned that crusade and then pastor came to church and said, let's agree from the 18th to the 24th of this month there'll be no rain. So he just stood and said, we agree that on the 18th to the 24th of this month, there'll be no rain. And we all said, Amen. So we agreed that there'll be no rain. So we gathered for the crusade. I mean, I mean, expectations were high. 
Our neighbor was living faith churches. They were living faith church around us. They were gracious to us. They gave us their their chairs. They gave us their equipment. They were supportive. Everywhere was set. I will never forget that day. We all gathered for the crusade. And then the choir mounted up and they were singing, Shine, Jesus, shine. Shine, Jesus, shine. And then as they began to sing, the cloud began to gather. I mean, the cloud got so thick, faith left me. The only faith left was faith in my pastor. I was just telling the rain, he has to respect my pastor's faith. My brothers and sisters, this rain beat us. He didn't beat us gently. It looked like it was, the rain was angry that we attempted to pray. The rain beat us. We were soaked. And then I remember, of course, the crusade people who invited all ran away. So it was just us, the faithful brothers who stood in the rain. Amen. Loyal brothers finished. We're now returning back the chairs to Living Faith Church. I remember me and my friend, both of us knew we had questions, but we couldn't ask it. You know, you had questions, he had questions, but both of we knew we all had questions. We couldn't ask, amen? You know, some of these questions are sacred questions you don't want to. But I had a question in my mind. I was wondering, we prayed, we prayed, but we prayed. Why did it rain? Ah, I began to study and I found out there's a way to stop rain it's different from the way we prayed the laws were not put together God can't bend the law so one day I found how Elijah stopped rain because to stop rain you have third parties who are involved who need the rain that you don't want to come so it means you're going to contend with their will and then you're going to pray so that whatever they lose for stopping the rain will be compensated by your prayer. So I realized that it is not that our prayer God did not hear us. It's because we did not understand the laws that regulates that part of So I found how to stop rain. And once I found it, I began to test it little by little, little by little. Then I now proved it in a major event, my wedding. My wedding we had in the open air at the Convocation Square, Abuja University on a raining season. To make it more interesting, the eve to our wedding, I was sitting with my father-in-law and he told me to just wait, let him listen to network, the network, the NTA 9 o'clock news. They finished the news and it was time for weather forecast. And I said, There's gonna, there will be a heavy downpour in Abuja, especially in the Guagualada area of my father-in-law turned to me and told me young man did you hear what they said I said daddy it will not rain he said don't be silly these things have never failed so you know I didn't argue I just said okay sir my mother taught me when you go to a Catholic church and the priest is conducting mass with Latin don't ask for interpretation otherwise the service will be longer so there was no need for any argument but in my mind I knew it will not rain and we had the wedding. It rained all around us. It didn't fall there. Because by this time I have known how to stop rain. Do you know the laws of the universe? Can you use them to regulate the earth? Let's take for instance in 2 Thessalonians 1 11, the message translation. If you have the message, let me show you something there. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you very much. Because we know that this extraordinary day is just ahead of you. We pray for you all the time. We pray that God will make you fit for what he has called you to be. We also pray that he will fill your good ideas and acts of faith with his own energy so that it all amount to something. This is it. It means good ideas and acts of faith on themselves do not amount to something. They have to be filled with energy to amount to plenty. So that you have wonderful bright idea is not sufficient for it to amount to plenty on earth. They even have acts of faith. Your good ideas, your acts of faith amount to something when they are filled with God's own energy. So I realized when I understood this, 
if you make more energy rest upon your acts of faith and more energy rest upon your good ideas, they will amount to something. They will what? They will amount to something. After one of the times my pastor gave me his car on his birthday, he turned and told me that God asked him to give me his BMW X5. I knew he bought the car two months to his birthday and I knew he bought it for himself for his birthday. So that kind of sacrifice, even me, I was not comfortable. You know, you know, you know, like that kind of sacrifice that those men who went to get water for David and he couldn't drink it. That's how that sacrifice was for me. He gave me, but I tried to tell him, you can use the car. He said, no, God told him. He couldn't even preach. He just threw the car key in service to me and said, God said I should have it. So you know what I did? I drove the car to front of my house and parked. I'll come out every night and sit in that car for six hours. I'm speaking in tongue. I'm begging God, do something for this man. So between October, his birthday, and December, he had 14 cars. See, it, it was not just that he saw the seat. It's that enough energy rested upon his act of faith. So it says, let your good ideas, your acts of faith be filled with God's own energy so that it all amount to something. I learned that long ago. I was listening to Mike Mudok, I think 1997. And then Mike Mudok was teaching on them effective time management. And then he made a statement that caught my attention. He said, he doesn't trust pastors who don't wear wristwatch. And I didn't used to wear wristwatch. So when I wanted to be trusted, amen. So I began to believe God for a wristwatch. So I turned to Mark 11, 23, 24, and I began to pray the simple prayer of faith according to Kenneth Hagin. Whatsoever you desire, when you pray, believe that you have a shaft. So I, I named it, I timed it, I believed, and I began to confess. I began to speak forth my faith and asking God, um, and thanking God, sorry. I was thanking him for my wristwatch. After a month, I got a wristwatch. Somebody gave me a wristwatch. I was so excited I came to church. Before I preached, I, I shared a testimony. I told them about a month ago, I believed God for a wristwatch standing on Mark 11, 23, 24. And just yesterday evening, somebody gave me a watch. Let's rejoice. So we're happy. But when we left, I went to the office. A young man came who was not happy. He told me that listening to my testimony, he realized that um, he should have been the person who was behind his testimony because about 30 years ago, he was in church and had a strong urge to give me his wristwatch, but he kept rationing it until he forgot to do it. And now 30 days after, I am testifying that somebody gave me a wristwatch. We should have been him. So it means that the day I prayed the prayer, Mark eleven twenty four, God answered me and God began to move upon men to give me. But it took him 30 days to find a willing and able hand to be able to respond. So it means that the delay was never from God. Hey, it got me thinking. If I have third party influence, they are playing to my harvest. Then, man, I have to do something. You know what I found out? The Bible says in the days of his power, his people shall be willing. And I saw in James chapter 5 that the NS had felt continued prayer of the righteous man. It makes tremendous power available dynamic in his walking. I saw the combination. So I realized that if my acts of faith is filled with his energy, it will amount to something. So, you see, one time, one time it happened that um, we had two cars. My wife had a car and I had a car. Now, I liked her car very well, but I was using mine because well, that's how it works. Amen. Brothers, I hope you know that's how it works. Let me not go there. But that's how it works. Amen. Otherwise, after some time, you believe in the rooftop. Amen. Praise God. So, but now God was asking us to sow her car. To give it to a particular pastor. So, you know, this kind of instruction that comes is strong, but you want to use tongue to confuse it. God said we should give out our car. So, it's my car. Amen. I took my car and gave out a seed. To the pastor he prayed he was excited and prayed when i came home and i was rejoicing god said that's not the car that's not the car you gave the wrong car i know the thing about those kind of sacrifice like in the old testament if you give a sacrifice that is imperfect and eh, they say you should leave it there eh, leave it there don't take it home leave it there then go and bring the correct one amen but as i saw 
just leave that one there and go and bring the proper sacrifice back home and that's what i did so like <laughs> a sheep to the slaughter i took the second sacrifice amen so in, in in one week we gave two cars out so we had no car but what i did also was that it grounded me so from morning to night i'll be worshiping and praying the holy ghost guess what one day somebody called me from guarimba he said are you so and so i said yes said, please can we see so i went when i went he was even smoking when, when he saw me that he upped his cigarette he wasn't born again he said your name is so he said i hear you do great things for god i said praise god he said and me i want to do something great for god i said well that's a very good heart he said i have this car i don't know if you can manage it it was there i got him born again i don't understand it was there i got him born again that your acts of faith that your good ideas be filled with God's energy so that it all amount to something. Yes, if you see your seed, harvest will come. But most times, if you don't make these energies available, it might take a long time. It might come after you have gone home to be with the Lord. It will meet your children. No, I'm very serious. No seed you sow that does not, the harvest will always come will always come. The story in 2 Kings chapter 4 where the woman called the wife of the son of the prophet came to Elisha. You know what he told Elisha? He said, my husband, your servant is dead. And thou knowest that my husband did fear God. And the creditor has come to take my two sons as bond men. Now, if you read Bible history, that prophet was Obadiah. And do you know how he got into the depths? Obadiah was the prophet that kept those prophets who never bowed their knees to Baal. Do you know how he got into this depth? He mortgaged his sons to get food for the prophets. So it was a godly just cause. Yet he died living the depth. Guess what? If the wife did not rise to place a demand. If the wife did not rise to place a demand. On the seed her husband sowed. Because he put it to prophet. He said the prophet listen to me. And thou knowest that my husband did fear God. Meaning I put it to you. that what, Now when he says my husband your servant is dead. My husband your servant. And my husband did fear God. Now what it means to be the servant of Elisha means. He is the man who poured hands on the hands of Elisha. For him to fear God means he served Elisha faithfully. Because that's the primary thing he does as a servant of Elisha. But yet he died. But let me tell you what I came to do today. Today, by the authority in the name of Jesus, your acts of faith is experiencing supernatural energy. Your good ideas is, inf is infused with supernatural energy. And they are mounting to something in the name of Jesus. So let me get back to my thought. Do you know the laws of the universe? Can you use them to regulate the earth? The laws of the universe, can you use them to regulate the earth? Now listen, even the un unbelievers who understand these laws, they put it to work. Eh? They put it to work. They put it to work. And when they put these laws together, it will work. God will not say because you're unbelievers, it will not work. They are, they are universal laws. They work. They work. Like some people tell you, um, I don't like all these pastors. All they do is collect money. Listen to me. Go and be a pastor and try to collect money. See, awareness will catch you. You know what I mean? You realize that Nigerians are intelligent. Nigerians don't give you money because you're pastors. In any case, some of the poorest people I see on earth are pastors. I'm very serious. Meaning, money don't come to you because you're a pastor. If money is coming to you, you're putting certain laws together. I met two kids, yes, two boys yesterday. They live in, let me not even call the name of the place, in one of those slums. I went to see their dad and I saw the place, my heart. And the man is a missionary. 
they live in a house, the windows, there's, there are no windows. They just put curtains, the floors. I mean, the, I mean, the house is so small. They are, they are seven, seven kids and the parents. So the two boys can't even sleep in there because it's too small, too small bedroom. Flat. So yesterday I went there. Fortunately for us, there's a land in front of them that is for sale. So we are buying the land to build something for them to live. Because those two boys, when I saw them and told them, the hand of the Lord is upon you. The way they looked at me is like, let that hand return upon you. <laughs> because they don't want to have anything to do with ministry. Because of the experience of their dad. They don't want to have anything to do with ministry. Oh, do you know the laws of the universe? Can you use them to regulate the law? Anyway, let me start with two laws tonight, very quickly. One that is foundational is that nobody makes significant impact on earth, negative or positive, without blood. Life on earth is powered by blood. In Leviticus 16, I mean Leviticus 17 and verse 11, the Bible says the, the 1711 KJV. Thank you. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it unto you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it unto you upon the altar for an atonement for your soul. So if you read, if you read the first phrase without the second line, you will conclude that he was just supporting what biology says. Meaning the life of a man is sustained by his blood. That means your life is in your blood. Yes, that's all about because once you lose your blood, you're losing your life, is it not? But the next phrase changes what God is trying to communicate. He says, I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. So what he's saying is different. He's not talking about the blood that is in your body. He's saying that blood given to man upon an altar is what makes for his life. So in this flesh, if you are going to ever experience the life that this flesh has, you have to have blood upon an altar. So negative or positive, you can't really enjoy this life without blood upon the altar. You cannot. Life here is powered by blood. That's why when it is time for election, there is a lot of blood that is shed upon altars. Because the no as a universal constant after the fall of Adam, the only way the earth recognizes that prosperity is going to come upon you is that you have blood that touches the earth that is taken that you have paid for sin that Adam sinned. So the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Your sin is intact if blood is not shed. But once sin is shed, I mean once blood is shed, it is taken that your sin is being done away with. And if your sin is done away with, what you're left with is prosperity. So the life we live in this flesh only gets well and nice if you understand the power of the blood. I am saying so because unfortunately Christians have put confidence in what does not make for the life of the earth. Oh, but in Revelation Bible says they overcame him by the blood and by the words of their testimony. If you are going to win in this life, you have to have a firm understanding of the blood covenant, of the blood sacrifice. You can't even understand scriptures clearly without a firm understanding of blood covenant. The Bible is book of covenant. Old and new covenant. You really can. A lot of terminologies in scriptures are covenant terms. If you see them through the eyes of English language, you miss it. That's why uninformed, unlearned people who approach scripture based on literature, they miss what God is saying. The Bible is oaths that were sworn in blood. That's why you can stake your life on God's word. Because God put his feet in blood and swore. 
as I live, I will do this. So you can stake your life based on God's word. But life will only happen to you if you understand that, negative or positive. And for believers, if you don't understand this and rise in your consciousness of the very sacrifice you have, over time, you'll be pressured to look for another blood. So when Adam fell, when, when Adam fell what happened was that God came to Adam and some of the things we miss sometimes is that when God came to Adam and found that Adam was naked, what he did was take an innocent animal, skin the animal and wrapped man. Do you know what happened? As he killed that animal and the blood of that animal touched the earth, temporarily, Adam could prosper upon the earth. Outside that process, outside that skin that was taken from that animal to wrap Adam. Adam will experience what God told him earlier, that the only thing that comes out of the earth for you is tongues and tissue. But listen to me. Have you ever wondered how Adam prospered even after that statement? The moment the blood of that innocent animal touched the earth, the earth provided for Adam temporarily as one who has paid for his sin. How do I know that? If you go to chapter 4 of Genesis, you'll find out that in chapter 4 of Genesis, the moment the two sons came to make sacrifices, Cain and Abel came to make sacrifices. Guess what? Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel brought of the fatlings of the flocks an offering unto the Lord. And the Bible said God had respect unto Abel and his sacrifice, but unto Cain and his sacrifice, God did not have respect. But you see, when God did not respect the sacrifice of Cain, Cain was angry. And when he was angry, came, God came to Cain and told Cain, why are you angry? Listen, why are you angry? See the question, why are you angry? If thou doest well, shall thou not be accepted? But if thou doest not well, know that sin lieth at the door. Meaning, the purpose of the sacrifice was to deal with sin that was at the door. The power of sin, the effect of sin, the consequence of sin was just at the door, crouching into them to take a pound of flesh. Because sin will come periodically to ask questions upon a man after the sin of Adam. So these two guys were to deal with the sin that was locking at the door. And guess what Cain did? Cain determined to deal with this sin locking by the fruit of the ground. And in chapter 3 of Genesis and verse 17, the Bible says that the only way you're going to eat out of this ground is your sweat and your toiling. Meaning technically, Cain determined to deal with sin by his effort. The power of sin, the consequence of sin, the effect of sin. But you know what Abel did? Abel took of the fatlings of the flock and offering and offered unto the Lord. I know in our Sunday school, when I was, I don't know how many of you were in my kind of Sunday school, we were told that in Sunday school, in Sunday school that the reason Abel's sacrifice was accepted was because when they laid that sacrifice upon the altar and put fire upon it, the smoke went straight. But when Cain put his own, the smoke went. How many of you are in that kind of Sunday school? We are plenty in the house, amen? So, because of that scattered smoke, listen, do you actually believe that that's why Cain now killed Abel? Because of straight smoke and scattered smoke. That he was so angry he killed his brother. If you read Bible history, let me tell you what happened. The moment Abel made that sacrifice and his sacrifice was accepted, life began to look up for him. Abel began to prosper. Bible history tells us that Abel began to take care of Cain. Abel fed Cain. Abel gave him things, I mean, skin to cover. Abel gave him milk to sustain. The younger brother was so prosperous that he was taking care of the older one. It was out of envy of the prosperity of Abel that Cain killed Abel. Cain killed Abel because Abel prospered and he didn't. It was not because smoke went straight and some went zigzag. 
It was a prosperity. And why did Abel prosper? The moment he made that blood sacrifice, the earth took it that he has paid for his sin. So temporarily, the earth yielded to him their strength. But Cain struggled all his life. But this is where I'm going. Do you know now what happened? Cain now killed Abel. Please pay attention. When Cain killed Abel, the first thing that happened was that God showed up on Cain in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 10 and told Cain, what have you done? What have you done? Then he told him, the voice of your brother's blood cried unto me from the ground. So the first thing you see here is that every blood has a voice. Just a little digression. One of the reasons why we should shout on the mountaintop that the voice of the blood of Jesus be amplified in Nigeria is if we don't do, there are a lot of blood crying out. A lot of blood crying out. That if you don't rise in faith and silence those voices, they will work against us as a nation. But it says the, your brother's blood cried from the ground. You know what it means to cry? That Hebrew word cry means to summon. It means to invoke. Meaning this blood summoned spirits for vengeance. And because of that, God who is the God of all spirits showed on the party. Because blood always invokes spirits. And the spirit that were activated was all kinds of spirit that were released to exact vengeance upon that sacrifice, upon that death. So if you see that scripture in verse 10, when God says, what have you done? He was not just asking, and, and he said, what hast thou done? This is more like an exclamation. What have you done? Meaning, can you have done something that is terrible? Before this point, there were some terrible demonic spirits that were not released upon the earth. But by this blood, this spirit were released upon the earth to cause vengeance for Abel's blood. Blood will always invoke spirits. They have voice. That's why in Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible in verse 12 and verse 24 says, We have come to the blood of the sprinkling that speaks or speaketh better things than the blood of Abel. Meaning, this same blood of Jesus, I'm going to come there. It has voice. Right now, there's a loud voice from the very blood of Jesus speaking on your behalf. That blood is speaking mercy on your behalf. That blood is speaking protection on your behalf. That blood is speaking the forgiveness of sin on your behalf. But get what happened. When Cain killed Abel and the earth received the blood of Cain, even though a curse came upon Cain, notice what happened after his conversation with God the Bible said that Cain left that place went and married and built a big city please don't miss this this is the origin of occult practice is that even though a curse was upon his life but because of this blood the earth gave him an advantage a man who did not succeed and because of envy killed his brother rose up and built a big city with a curse upon his life. This is how the occult operate. As they make those blood sacrifices, there's a curse that comes upon their life. But the earth have a way of opening portals and giving them the earth's advantage by blood. That's what happened in 2 Kings chapter 3 when the Moabite king was up against Israel and those two other nations and everything was against this man. He tried, he took 700 special forces to break through the weak link of the forces that were against him. He couldn't prevail. You know what he did? He took his first son that was supposed to reign in his place and offered it as sacrifice on the wall. And the Bible says, an indignation of the Lord was set against Israel. Remember, God does not allow the sacrifice of human. But listen to me. When that man made that sacrifice, which was greater than every sacrifice Israel has made, God is a just God. He has to allow the Lord to take place. And the earth gave him advantage. His entire nation was preserved from annihilation. 
Because without our blood, a prophetic utterance had come from Elisha. Elisha told the children of Israel, go, for you will defeat them and utterly defeat them. Utterly. Meaning, the pronouncement prophetically against Moab was that Moab was completely going to be annihilated. Oh, but that man did something. He regulated the system. He took blood sacrifice and offered in the world. Now, listen, earlier on, before the battle started, Israel had just finished their morning sacrifice. It was at the end of their morning sacrifice. But you know, their sacrifice was blood of animals. And you see, in blood sacrifice, let me just digress a little here. The effect of every sacrifice is dependent on the animal type and the blood type. So if you have elementary issue, you bring chicken. Amen? Because it's chicken that can deal with it. But when it gets serious, they'll tell you you need a stronger life force. You might be asked to bring goat. And if it gets, you know when I was in university, I wasn't born again then. When I was in school, the military were in power. So, in my class, I had a colonel's daughter as she was my classmate. My eyes were set on her to go out with her. But I asked this girl out. She neither said yes nor nay. She didn't say yes. She didn't say no. But she was just eating my money. So, I did everything. She, was never, she refused. So, you know, you go and gather more money to create more effects. She would still eat it and neither say yes. She didn't tell me to go. She didn't tell me I've been voted into power. So, um, one of the long holidays, I traveled, I traveled round. I went to my uncles in Onicha. I went to some of them in Lagos. I was lying to gather money. I had a long list of textbook and some equipment, engineering equipment, amen. And I knew how my uncles thought, so I prepared for them. Like when I went to Onich, I gave, I told one about the books I want to buy and how much. He, has, he, he screamed. He said, it's too expensive. I should even give him the list. Let him go and buy the book. So I gave him the list because I knew he would do this. So the names on the list were botanical names. You know, the first on them was Mastigopractus Gingantus. I wrote the, So he went, went around bookshops, couldn't find his own name. They said that the book, I said, it's only in our school the book is. All I need is the money. I gathered money and gathered money everywhere. Gathered money everywhere and came, came to school. It coincided with this girl's birthday. So I decided to plan a birthday picnic that the school will know. It was a small school. So we gathered this money. My friends would plan this party and had a party of all parties. Everybody knew about that. So you thought that after the party, and I turned out my manifesto again. She neither said yea nor nay. I began to sweat. I was confused. The money I spent will last me for two sessions. So I came home, I came to the hostel dejected. I was I was dejected. My roommate turned to me. <laughs> my roommate said, what's wrong with you, Amadi? I said, please don't disturb me. Because we didn't consider my roommate as a guy. You know, all this, so I can't be talking to him about that kind of story. So but he kept pestering. Just to keep him away, I just told him the story. The moment I told him the story, he just laughed. This guy is an Igala guy from Ogugu. He said, Amadi, how can you have me here and be suffering? Have you? I don't understand he said, how can you have me here and be suffering? In my mind, how can this boy, will he go and toast again for me? He said, no, come and follow me somewhere. So he took me to Ogugu. We met a man who told us to bring white chicken. Then he finished what he did and gave me my hands to come back. I went back to the girl and asked him the same question. She said, you should have asked since. That's how I started going out with her. And I recovered all, amen. (laughs) 
It means it was chicken life. But I want to tell you something. How this life is fought and people think it is English language we speak. A year after this incident, where all they, they gathered all of us to be expelled from school for court-related activities. So they put the name on notice board. We're going to face the panel and be expelled. I was thinking of my life because I came from a very, very humble background. Very, when I mean humble, the humble called us humble. While I was thinking, another young man came and told me, let's go somewhere. Took me somewhere in Imo State. When the man looked at it, he said, we should bring a goat each. So I brought a goat. They went there and, and gave us a calabash and told us to kill chicken every morning and pour the blood. I did it religiously. Guess what? We walked into the panel. The moment the chairman of the panel set his face on me, he said, get out of this place, you're innocent. Struck my name out. When my friend came, he struck his name out. They expelled everybody but us. And to think about it, Two of the boys who were expelled, one was in 500 level, second semester. The other, no, there are two brothers. One is 500 level, second semester. One is, um, okay, just left Remedias in 200 level. Their father was a deputy inspector general of police who told us he's going to pull his string to get us out. His two sons were expelled. And then once you're expelled in university, no school in Nigeria takes you. So the two sons, one had to go to Ghana, another had to go to the U.S. to school. Nothing made them stay back. All his strings couldn't work for what a good blood could make work. Let me just add, by the way. You know, the Bible says their sorrow shall be multiplied that hasten after other God. Their sorrow shall be multiplied. This young man that both of us were supposed to be expelled... He's late now. When we left school, he was serving in Kaduna, coming back from Kano one day. Had a gas explosion and died. But shortly after the incident, I got saved. That's my saving grace. But listen to me. If by the blood of God I was called innocent, how much more? How much more? How much more the blood. Let me tell you something about the blood of Jesus. Listen, I may not have time today. You see, from if you see, if you follow life, you'll find out that it was one sacrifice after another sacrifice. Blood sacrifice was always the game changer. Let me tell you one of the reasons why nobody had to conceive Jesus but the Holy Ghost. Is because if a man slept with Mary to bring forth Jesus, a man's blood will run through the veins of Jesus. And if a man's blood runs through the veins of Jesus, in the battles of life, one day we can find a blood type that is stronger than our blood. But Jesus was conceived of the Holy Ghost, meaning the blood that flowed through Emmanuel's vein. According to Acts of the Apostles, it says that we should take oversight of the, of the sheep of God which he has purchased with his own blood. Hey, it means it is the very blood of God that was running to the veins of Jesus. Let me tell you something that is critical about it. Let me tell you, blood sacrifice gets stronger the rarer the blood type is and the more sacrifice it costs. That means if you move from goat, they will tell you to do human. You can do random human. Then if you move, they'll tell you, no, no, it's not just random human. You can bring a virgin. Because you're scaling up. Then if you get beyond virgin, it has it's not just any virgin. It might be your mother because it's just one of them. Ha! Because the rarer and more sacrificial effect it has on you, the stronger it is. But I have good news for you. The blood type that was in Jesus, there is no match of it. Go to heaven, go to earth. Go beneath the earth. You can't find that blood type. You can't find that blood type. You can't find that blood type. Uh, hey, you can't find that blood type. And the other thing about the blood sacrifice of Jesus, the Bible says, by one sacrifice, by 
by one sacrifice our blood is potent for all time by one sacrifice he has perfected forever oh there are critical things about this our sacrifice you know the other thing about sacrifice after the sacrifice has been made it's important who is your priesthood that's why the other scale is who is the babalawu himself but Jesus became both the sacrifice and the high priest he is our babalawu himself <laughs> and listen the other thing is the shrine that you enter into the Bible says the heavenly holies of holies which is our heavenly shrine was not made with hands so when Jesus rose from the grave, Mary ran to embrace him. He said, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Do you know why Jesus told Mary not to touch, touch him? It was because he had not ascended. And he has not ascended with that blood. He needed to offer that blood uncontaminated. So he told Mary, don't touch me. I need to ascend to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. But Jesus went up with that blood and your name on his lips. And he went into the holiest of all with your name on his lips. When he went to the mercy seat, every time the blood was sprinkled, he called your name. He said, you will never be barren again. You will never be broke again. You will never struggle to do what I've called you to do. Oh, and as he was speaking, forces of the spirit were summoned. Kali <laughs> there's a blood flowing from Emmanuel's vein for you and that Hebrew scripture says is the blood of sprinkling not blood that sprinkled is blood of sprinkling that means as we're here right now there's a fountain pouring out it is washing upon us here right now and that blood is pouring it has voice it has amplified voices upon us that's what i've come to announce to you today by the efficacy of the blood of jesus all your acts of faith is receiving life right now all your good ideas is receiving life right now and see if you don't rise in this consciousness there are a lot of pressures going around. I met a young man who came to pitch. He wanted to um, sell inverters for me. So somebody told him that I would need inverters. So he came. He brought. He came to. He said they told him to come and drop his card and then pitch. So fortunately, when he came out, just sitting outside, and then he said, "They asked me to come here and drop a card." So I said, "Where's your card?" So he searched. They said he forgot his card. I said, "Are you serious?" You left your house. The purpose of leaving your house was to come and drop a card. And that's the only thing you forgot. You didn't forget your shoe. <laughs> so I said, anyway, I'll listen to you, but don't think I want to take you seriously. So I said, okay, so pitch. So he began to pitch. And I began to ask him some question about, you know, the whole design for the, the, the inverters I needed these solar inverters I needed. I got to a place where he technically couldn't handle it. So he said he would go and call his, call somebody to come and explain to me. As a young man, success is when opportunity meets preparedness. I want to do inverter. You just had opportunity, but you're not prepared. I said, look there. That's an inverter house. I'm going to work there now. So he began to beg. I said, no, but you, you, if you had just finished this job properly, I would do this deal with you. Then I began to talk to him. You know what he said? He said that this thing has repeated so many times. And then he's a Christian. He goes to live in faith. And he said they told him to go and wash his head. Wash your head where? But I know why those kind of pressure can come. If you don't have a consciousness in what I'm teaching today. One day you'll be pressured to go and look for where to wash your head. So incidentally, where we have is where, where we spend time praying there. I said, you see this place? It's not just to wash your head. You bath. Open this door. It's not you. Not just wash your head. You bath today, amen. <laughs> but I sat him down to tell him, listen to me. Satan has no free gift. In fact, Satan has no gift for anybody. 
This is they are washing. You soon become albino. You will bleach out. There's nothing there. We have a better sacrifice established upon better promises. Listen, no man did well in life who did not have blood working for him. Nobody, negative or positive. Don't forget this in a hurry. That's why God showed it in the book of Exodus. Nine outstanding plague. Nine, he demonstrated nine outstanding plague. Yet, Pharaoh was still had in his heart. After the ninth plague, God turned to Moses and told Moses, I will yet do one more. If I do this one, eh, he will not let you go. He will trust you out. There is one I will do. And if I do that, nothing will be left. You know what I told him? He says, every of your families in Israel should take a, 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 an animal on the 10th day of the month and keep it until the 14th day of the month. And on the 14th day, you will kill it and take out the blood. Put on your doorpost and your lintel. And then shut yourself in and make sure you eat this animal roasted. I'll continue my next session. Eat it what? Roasted. Not boiled. Not raw. And when this happens, you will leave. I will give you favor before Egypt. And you will spoil Egypt. And guess what? The sacrifice of that animal did not just free them. They left Egypt and emptied Egypt of their prosperity. That's what blood does. The blood of Jesus is the most effective blood on earth. But those upon whom it has been sacrificed do not have confidence in it like they ought to have. And it's because a consciousness of this blood is not clearly painted. Look at the most richest people on earth in the Bible. All of them have a common denominator. All of them were people of the blood. Abraham lived in his own dispensation. You see Abraham from place to place. In Genesis chapter 12, he, he raised an altar and called upon the name of the Lord. An altar is a place of sacrifice and prayer. Two times before the end of chapter 12, into chapter 13, every time he turned, he was making sacrifice. And by chapter 15, he made a very serious sacrifice and cut a covenant. And then he made that ultimate sacrifice where he offered his son. Guess what? Abraham's prosperity moved from just counting what he had till he came to a place where the Bible says, Abraham was rich in all things. Flip it. It was not just because Abraham was a righteous, because Lot was a righteous man. In the New Testament, the Bible referred to Lot as a righteous man whose spirit was vexed with what was happening in Sodom. He was a righteous man. But he was a righteous man that needed bailout upon bailout. You know why? Look at the account of Lot. You will never see one reference of altar or sacrifice made. Not one. And all the records of Abraham, they were not by mistake. So in his time, he was the richest. Then Job, the introduction of Job, they told how rich he was. How rich he was. And you know what the Bible says? That this is what Job did. It came to pass that his children went to party. And when they finished partying, they came together. According to their number, Job will make sacrifices for them. He said, this Job did continually. It was a habitual practice. That's why. Hmm. I'm going to stay there strongly tomorrow. If you look at Job 33, 24, 25, the young man who has been paying attention to all of them, rattle, talk, talk, forth and back. Finally told them, let me speak. I thought that age should speak wisdom, but I've waited for aged men. I realize you guys have not communicated effectively, but let me tell you why I need to speak. There's, the, uh, there's a spirit in a man and the inspiration of the Almighty. Give it him understanding. Meaning I'm going to speak by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. So do you know what he said in chapter 24? He says, then he's gracious unto him and says, Deliver him from going down to the pit, for I have found a ransom. 
then his his his, his flesh shall be fresher than the child, and he shall return to the days of his youth. You know what he was telling Job? Job, listen, 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 listen. Job, you've been confusing this matter. What normally happens when a man wants to die is that when a man wants to die, he'll go and look for a ransom. Once you find a ransom, you can't go down to the pit. Once you find a ransom, you can't go down to the pit. And guess what? When Jesus came, Jesus came and said, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve, to give himself a ransom for many. What Jesus did is what witches are practicing. You know, you see an old witch. You recognize old witch. The witch is probably in his 90s, dying, looking sick. He's so sickly or she's so sickly, you think she was, she's going to die the very next moment. Is that not? But you just wait and hear that somebody in the family just dies and the witch gets up. That person who died is actually the ransom for the witch. So he was telling him, once you find a ransom, you will get out of this. But I have good news for you. Jesus has become your ransom. Your business cannot go down to the pit. Hey, your marriage cannot go down to the pit. Your life cannot go down to the pit. Because Jesus has given himself as a ransom. Then he says, then he is gracious unto him and says, deliver him from going down to the pit for I have found a ransom and I know why I'm saying this the Holy Spirit told me there are a couple of persons here who have been under pressure to go and do diabolic sacrifices to be able to get ahead and the Lord said to tell you don't try that because you lose your life lose your family and lose your soul don't try that because a better sacrifice has been made upon you and in this meeting the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus is activated on your behalf and in the next seven days you're going to see a foretaste of the efficacy of the blood of Jesus on your behalf so that when they laughed at you they will come laughing with you there's a better blood our blood does not expire right now the blood of Jesus is still warm still warm still effective that blood is so effective is invoking forces. I was telling them today about the ministry of angels. We're teaching and rise, raising the consciousness of the ministry of angels. I remember one time I was always talking about the ministry of angels and praying about the ministry of angels. Two things happened in just a short time. When I was traveling, I was traveling to Makodi after just immediately after the Lafayette roundabout on my way to Makodi. I was struggling with sleep. This was 5 p.m. So I slept off in the car. I found myself in Makodi sleeping in the car by 3:30 a.m. It can only be the angels. I can't remember driving. Because where I found myself, I grew up in Makodi. I spent 30 years in Makodi. If I consciously got there, I can't sleep there. And then I woke up 3.30 3 a.m. I tried to start the car. It wouldn't start. I opened the hood. I found out the battery terminals were removed to make me know that it is not you. It's the ministry of angels activated by the very blood of Jesus blood summons spirit and one of the first primary attendants to blood is the ministry of angels somehow we have a better blood established upon better promise <laughs> you know the Fulani herdsmen caught me and my wife when we were traveling I mean they rushed they were, they, were, they were carrying people into the bush but for us they said we should lie down I also they got up and said we should leave this place in a hurry we rushed into the car. You know, because I was too surprised, I left my shoe. They picked it, stopped the car, picked my phone and gave me as if you go. See, there's a better blood for you. Yeah. No blood can be compared to that very blood that flowed from Emmanuel's vein. That's the reason why everything you do is doing well. Tonight, I pray for you. Let the voice of the blood of Jesus be amplified on your behalf. I command that everything that was dying come alive right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, let every contrary voice over your life be silenced. Be silenced. Be silenced. In the name of Jesus, let the voice of the blood of Jesus be amplified over your business. Be 
be amplified over your endeavors be amplified over your ministry in the name of Jesus go ahead and give the Lord a shout hallelujah thank you for listening to this message we hope you were blessed by it to get a copy of this message please call or text 0805-223-4444 or send an email to info at rogic.org that is info at rhogic.org you can also download the horn of revival ministry app on google play or apple store to connect with a variety of free quality resources including rogic radio and our refreshing daily devotions to take you higher in life and for real-time ministry you can follow or like our facebook page revival house of glory international church and horn of revival ministry you could also subscribe to our youtube page at rogic tv and at apostle goodheart to watch messages from the horn of revival ministry god bless you